0: Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting weekend preview in association with Gambler. Hi guys, hope you're well. Marco O'Hare here from We Love Betting joined as ever by the Dynamic Duo. We have got the guy who takes fashion advice of Dale Vince, Mr. Tom Love. <laughs> uh, we've also got Norway's number one Thor fan, Thor? Tor? I'm not really sure what, what how you say his <laughs> name. Will Dyer will tell me because he's his biggest fan. How is it, Will? For Thor?
1: Tor? Yeah, it, well, the Norwegians would call it Tor, actually, but it's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll let you have Thor. I thought you were talking about golf for a second.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, no, nothing about that sport either. So let's move on. Um, we're here, obviously, to talk about the weekend's best bets. Uh, another dramatic week in the football world. Two very enjoyable Champions League semi-finals, And we're definitely now on the final furlong of the season with the EFL campaign concluding this weekend before the playoffs, plenty now between now and May to get our teeth stuck into those still. Um, But before we get into the main business part of the show, it's now our customary non-betting quiz to our listeners a little bit more into the worlds of Tom and Will. Nice one this week, I think. Hopefully lockdown will continue to ease and we'll be able to get back, travel freely, enjoy life as we used to. But uh, I wanted to know what's on your bucket list, lads. What have you not done yet? which you really want to do in the world? Uh, So, Tom, go first.
2: There's a lot to choose from. I really want to get on a bit of a a European football tour. Um, I'd love to be able to get to a Hamburg-San Paoli game, if possible. Um, That's a a derby that's always intrigued me. And Hamburg looks like a great night out. So, yeah, it's pretty cheap to get to a cheap place as well. So, hopefully next season that could be something to to get myself to because Hamburg are kind of blowing it again apparently so they could be still in the second division but um it's always been a game that's that's got so much riding on it um but yeah just try to get to a few kind of away games in in Europe I've, I've had the pleasure of going to Dortmund before and seeing a game live there just some incredible atmospheres that you just don't get over here, um, different, you can have pints and whilst you're watching the game, which you can't over here either, so yeah, probably got a few games in Germany, hopefully.
0: Yeah, Hamburg, fantastic nightlife and Tour St Pauli's Ground is just a short walk away from the Reaper Barn, which is uh, where all the action happens, so cracking <coughs> away day. I've actually been to that game myself, but certainly on my bucket list at some point in the future. Uh, over to you then, Will. What's on the bucket list?
1: Yeah, nothing football related, unfortunately. But I think um, my girlfriend and the Norwegian contingent will probably be dragging me up Kilimanjaro in the next couple of years. <laughs> wow. Um, so maybe that. Um, I don't know. I've done. A, I've done a fair few, fair bit of travelling. In years gone by, um, a few backpacking trips from 10 years ago or so, I wouldn't mind going to, done a lot of the the old seven wonders of the world, wouldn't mind seeing Chichen Itza in Mexico or something like that.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Right. Let's move on. We're going to switch up again this week, guys. Um, we're not actually going to cover a game in the Premier League because there's so many quality contests from the continent. We felt... They deserve their chance in the spotlight. So according to Tom's poll, you guys quite rightly wanted to hear about the two massive matches at the top end of La Liga this weekend. Uh, the top four all facing off against each other, starting on Saturday as Barcelona host. League leaders, Atletico, uh, Barca, they would have been top if they hadn't fluffed their lines against Granada last week. They're just shy of 9-10 to favourites. I think 1.87 best price last time I looked. Uh, Atleti, 7-2, outsiders, that's 4.5 a really interesting game, this. Um, Tom, what's your view? Yeah,
2: it's, uh, it's so, so many things that could go on here that's, that's going to change and impact the week because <clears throat> it's very rare that you get one of these weekends where the kind of top four in the running are all kind of going at it against each other it's so late in the season too. Um but Atleti, I'm surprised that there's still two points clear, to be honest. Um, but they do have a better goal difference than Real Madrid and Sevilla, which which was quite interesting. I thought they'd be winning quite fine margins. But they've had a couple of games, especially at home, where they've kind of won 4 5 Um which could actually be, be huge in the in the title race. If they, do they do that, or is it head-to-head in Spain? I can't quite remember. Head-to-head. Uh, it's head to head, right, well, that makes these games even more interesting then, um, because Atleti, you've got to think that they're going to go to Barcelona and just set up for a draw. They're just going to do what they've done in these big games before, pretty much everyone behind the ball and just try and hit them on the break if they can. But it, even if they get a 0-0 here, I think they'll be delighted. Um, you've got to wonder if... If Madrid beats Sevilla in the other game that we're going to go on to and um, Atleti get a draw, Real Madrid actually do overtake them, which is going to be a really interesting dynamic, especially with this being the first game. I just think that it's not in Simeone's mind to kind of go for a win here. He's going to be hell-bent on a draw, I think, and um, just kind of keeping in the race. So I I kind of looked at a few markets and I, I thought Barca, odds on, kind of five to six best quotes looked a bit short to me. Uh, but then I, I did a bit more digging and their recent record is pretty outstanding, really, under Cumin under And, well, they've won 16 of the last 19 in the league, which is great going, but there's been games that they should have won, uh, ultimately, I think, outside of these four, the league's been pretty terrible, if I'm honest. Um, a lot of poor teams. So it's not, not a massive surprise, but if you want for kind of head-to-heads, I'm not particularly, but these big games and really Simeone's been at Atleti for a number of years now, and a lot of these Barca players have been at the club for a long time. Barca are actually undefeated in 20 of the last 21 home matches against Atleti, which is some going. Um so if you kind of want it in a back bar, so you've got a bit of history on your side there. Um, but I think odds-on is a little bit too short, really. Um, I just think that Atleti, if they play to their strengths, could get a draw here. It wouldn't surprise me. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of leave the the basic markets, the one by two alone. Um, I'm going to take under 2.5 goals. I can't believe it's odds against with Sport Nation, 21 to 20. But there's a bit elsewhere on the Asian goal line. If you take over two and a half at Bet365, for example, it's uh, 2.02. But 2.05 best price. I think that's a a really nice win. It's landed in six of the last seven Athletic games uh, away from home, that is. So you've seen Athletic go away to the likes of Elche and kind of toil a little bit, they're, they're not the same team away from home, they're, they're very kind of pragmatic and defensive, even against the lesser lights. so when they're coming up against a, a Barcelona team that are kind of in full flight at the minute, they'll just want to try and suffocate them when they get into their their attacking half, and, and just do what they're best at, we've seen enough of them in years gone by, so um, I've not really looked at the, the goals head-to-head, but I, I could imagine it being pretty pretty low scoring in, in the past, this and the kind of Atleti-Real derbies. So, yeah, I was surprised that that was odds against, and odds against, it's a player for me. Um, kind of following on from that train of thought as well that Atleti have to try and preserve something from the off, and they're naturally a much more aggressive team than Barcelona. You can get one85 on Atletico to have the most cards or if you take it on the Asian handicap cards and it's Atleti minus 0.5 on that at 1.85 I think that makes quite a lot of appeal and um, I was trying to mess about with a few bet builders and if you put in Atleti over one card it's only one to six so their card line individually is very high obviously and I'm not surprised. Um, I just think that they'll be doing everything. They'll, they are the masters of the dark arts under Simeone, if you're going to use a cliche. And from the off, you know, they, they could be time-wasting. They could be doing anything. Um, and the likes of Savage, who I think has some more show of cards in, in the whole of Europe this season. Uh, Koke, Lodi when he comes in, Saul. Suarez as well. They've got plenty of players who are more than happy to take a card, whereas Barca don't really have, have that many players who are, who are mad for cards. So I thought that was quite big. I thought I think it might even come in a little bit more nearer near to kick off. Um, so yeah, to have the most cards, 17 to 20, with Bet365 and under 2.5 goals at 21 to 20 with Sport Nation. They're my two selections for this one.
0: Lovely stuff. Uh, Senor Lahoz is refereeing this game as well, which is uh, always a bit of box office too. Um, Will, Barca Atletico, what have you got for us?
1: Very much similar thoughts as well. Yeah. Um, good to hear. I, I, yeah, I had thought about cards too, of course. Uh, we, we previewed this fixture as well in November, and I did that little long list of reading out how many cards Atleti have had against Barca in recent times, and they had four in that match.
0: But we'll Remember get to it that. well? Some good research.
1: Yeah, we'll get to that bit in a bit. Um, oh, brilliant. Yeah, we'd, we'd mentioned, didn't we, I guess, yeah, but Bas had kind of gone on that m- amazing run, really, without really hitting the headlines. That 13-game unbeaten streak at, at the new Camp ended last Thursday, like you said, with that defeat to Granada. So, I think, I mean, basically, thankfully for the Blaugrana, it came in a game round where all three of the top three failed to win. So, otherwise, like you say, they would have been firm favourites had they collected all three points in that one. And then um, Gabriel put Valencia ahead last weekend. And for a second, it looked like that could be the end of it for them. But they rallied to that 3-2 win at the Mestalla. Uh, looking at sort of defensive records, they've had 12 clean sheets this uh, season, Barca, but still have the worst defensive record in the top four. Um, only marginally better, really, than Sociedad, who had 21 points behind them. So it's been very much a outscoring the opposition season again from Barca. And Atleti have managed 17 shutouts themselves. Um, and, yeah, our, our three unbeaten against Barca. Um, I thought an interesting stat that Flash score churned out was um, Barca average 6.59 shots on target per game in La Liga compared to just the next best is Atleti uh, at 4.82. It's a quite considerable drop-off there. And, and like Tom says as well, I, I expect that we won't know what's happened in Real Madrid Sevilla because that's on Sunday. So I, I think, though, we'll... Um, Simeone will go for their cautious approach and and bank on a, a draw, probably being enough I, to to kind of keep them in the race. Um, Real obviously have a tough game with there against Sevilla, and I, I looked at all the sort of permutations of who has the who in the final three games of the season. Atleti come up against Sociedad, Osasuna, and Valladolid. Um, the latter, uh, Valladolid, are playing for survival. At the moment, and Sociedad will be playing for the Europa spots. So, I would still say their three matches after this one are uh, easier than Real's, who who have Granada away, Bilbao away, and uh, Villarreal at home. They're all top half sides. That's a real tough run for Real. So, I think a point for Atletico could be enough to win them the league. Uh, in a way, uh, their Barca's final three games. Uh, should Barca win this, I think. They will probably go on to win To win it. Um, they've only got Levante away, Celta at home and Eibar away. Um, two of those sides have nothing to play for, although Levante do love a, a victory over Barca. Um, and Eibar do p- currently have something to play for, but they're bottom and they may well be relegated come that final game of the season. So I think it's a bit of a chess game here um, in terms of working out how managers are going to go for it but i think they would have looked at the fixtures and come up with this sort of strategy um i'm sort of discounting severe from the title race we'll, obviously we're going to cover that game in a minute so we'll, we'll get to that but i may be at my peril but i think it's unlikely they'll win at the bird bow and that that kind of then plays on this fixture too um this would be atleti's 11th top flight title and in that season the last time they won it 2013-14 they conceded 0.65 goals per game, which is exactly what they're currently conceding, and they actually drew one-one in Barcelona in May in that season as well. So, I mean, final take... game
0: of the season, I think, wasn't it?
1: I'm not sure. I didn't see that bit when I looked at when I read that, but um, maybe think... you're probably right. I would I would expect you nothing less from your knowledge, mate. <laughs> I so... I, think
0: I seem to remember them getting an equalizer or scoring from a corner. I think it
1: was um, Goodin as well. Yeah, I feel like that season all I remember is a cha- watching the Champions League in a bar in Cambodia. Oh God! <laughs> so I don't really know what was happening in La Liga that year. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, in terms of um, so I will I will go for um, uh, Roji Blanco's plus zero point five Asian handicap as well, just shy of eleven to ten at Bet Victor. Uh, that's my one bet. Um, in terms of defensively, yeah, Savage has been a rock at the back for them most of the campaign, as has Jimenez really. And then obviously they've got the best keeper as well, possibly in world football. But um, expect them to go for a back five with Hermosa on the left side and of three centre backs uh, as well. And then Trippier and Carrasco at wing back and two other players that have had fine campaigns. And for Savic, um, interesting that He's just ten to eleven to be carded at about three six five, but two to one with Sky Bet and William Hill, uh, and he's the most carded player in La Liga this season with fourteen in thirty. But there's, mm-hmm. I won't put that one up because I can't put too many bets up on this match because I have another one I like more, which is uh, Luis Suarez, who was out ill when they met in November, so didn't get a chance to face his former side. Um, he's a he's a winner. I don't think he will care really against. I mean, we saw. In the Champions League against Liverpool, when he was playing for Barca, he celebrated in in front. Uh, well, he celebrated scoring against Liverpool, and he was carded in that match as well. Um, this may well be his last chance of silverware at 34. So he's 12 to five to be carded with Bet365. I expect he's going to have to defend from the front, chase chase Barca around. Um, I think that's quite a nice price with for Bet365 for him to be carded. And uh, I will go for one more. So three free bets for this game. Like you said, La averaging 4.82 cards per game. That puts him just above mid-table in the referee CPG this season. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think average uh, Atleti averaged 4.75 cards per game against Barca over the last 25 meetings. So I will happily take them over 3.5 cards at 7 to 5 with Victor's bet builder, it's quite a bit bigger than, than elsewhere, so um, quite like it at that price. It wouldn't really back it anywhere closer to evens, though. Seven to five atleti over 3.5 cards.
0: Good stuff. Well, obviously, that might that match might condition um, what happens on Sunday evening as Real Madrid host Sevilla. Both teams coming into this game off rather damaging and, and disappointing defeats. Uh, Madrid with Chelsea and Sevilla. At home to Athletic on Monday night, uh, as Will says, more or less ending their title challenge. The head-to-head is against them against all three clubs above them, I think, as well. So there's a six-point deficit too. But uh, even still, um, they're eleven to four outsiders at three point seven five to win away at Real, who are eleven to ten, about two point zero eight favourites. Uh, obviously, not knowing what's going to happen on Saturday does make this task a little bit harder. But I was really surprised to see under two and a half goals trading at odds against in this game,
1: but. Uh, I'll pass you back to Will for your best bet and your view on the match. Yeah, I find it quite difficult on this one. Not as easy as putting three bets out like that for the for the other game. Um, I find I do think there's not. I mean, it's a bit odd that for me that Sevilla are a shorter price to beat Real than Atleti are to beat Barca. Um, but then again, there's not much between. You could you know you can chuck a. A blanket over the sort of the four the four sides in terms of points this season. So maybe I, di- I didn't actually look into the XG as well. Obviously, that's a key driver for those prices. But it just for me, Atleti grabbing a victory against um, Barca in terms of previous head-to-heads for both of these teams recently seems way more seems less far-fetched than than Sevilla getting one at the Bernabeu. Um, obviously, there is a, a big oh hangover. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, is it actually at the training ground as well? This one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, Real obviously struggled massively with Chelsea. The XG XG last night was three point five six to to zero point four nine. Um, so there's it's hard to know, isn't it? Really? Do you manage to dash yourselves down after that and come back and win a title, or will, will it really like play on them? Um, so Downs managed to pull things around quite a lot, but. I think it'd be pretty demoralizing um, after that defeat there. And in the way it happened, um, they obviously made a couple chances, but uh, Mendy pulled off some saves that looked pretty spectacular at times, but really that, that XG of 0.49 kind of illustrates, illustrates more, to be honest. And Hazard was pretty anonymous. Kroos and Modric couldn't really live with Kante. Benzema was main, really the shining light. Um, I go back a few months and I sort of raved a bit about Real and watching them in both games against Munch and Um I think they have some pretty good future stars like Vinicius Junior. But you do have to wonder whether you know, there's talk about Ramos potentially leaving, isn't there? And um, it does feel like the glory days of Real this this side at least, at their absolute absolute pinnacle of the game are maybe done in it in their current guise. Um, in terms of referees, it's uh, only Juan Martinez Munuera who. Is he did El Clasico earlier this season? Not the most recent one, but he's not brilliant for cards. He's the fourth worst lifetime-wise and the lowest reds per game in the league as well. So I couldn't find anything there that I really would like to support. Although I still would expect a few here. It just he, you know, in terms of 4.88 lifetime is still a decent amount of cards, but um, it's it's just not. I'm not going to be looking at any high lines like I would with with better referees basically. Um, Sevilla have had a bit of a habit of conceding late goals of late some sort of stat that I read out as well read there as they did so against Athletic Bilbao last time out and have done in their last four defeats they've conceded in the last 15 matches of all of those games Um, they've quite clearly closed the gap on the top three recently as obviously is illustrated by the league league standings but also in their head-to-head against Real they They've been terrible in this fixture. They have still been terrible away in this fixture. For, for They've lost 11 in a row in La Liga. But in the last three meetings with uh, Real, they have closed the gap and they've only lost all three of those by a one-goal margin, um, which for me is actually where the, the most of the value is. I, I, I Well, maybe not value, but the best bet for me, I think, um, is, a, is a slightly bigger price. It's um, with a smaller stake on it. I think Rao could get across the line here but if they do it won't be blowing severe away um they're really organized aren't they Tom's talked about Lopetegi as mentioned could be like sort of coach for this for the season really he's he's uh he's kind of an easy guy to hate after that world cup debacle where he got sacked a couple of days before and then he had his tenure at Real Madrid as well obviously only lasted a few months um after a dreadful start they had just six wins in their first 14 matches but yeah, Severe he's excelled, and he'll obviously relish a chance to end Rouse title hopes, even if it doesn't mean they they could do much themselves. Um, they, they still could, but it doesn't. It feels a bit too far. I, I haven't looked at the outright prices now, but surely Severe are probably 16, 20 to one or something. So um, I find it tough to support them at thirteen to five. Like I said. Um, or 11 to 4, but um, I do think Real to win by exactly one goal at 11 to 4 with bet 365 in the uh winning margin bet, um, bet type is is a decent play for me, so that's all I've got for that one.
0: No worries, over to you then, Tom. What have you got? What's your angle for Real Madrid against Sevilla?
2: I'm on the, I'm on board with your shot of on, under on two and a half goals here at the price. Um, you, you could even go for under two and three quarters around 1.78, I think the best price is, which is backable too. But I think under two and a half, for all the for all the kind of reasons that you mentioned, Mark, it, the only way that this could open up is if kind of there, there is an early goal and Sevilla, if, if Madrid get an early goal, Sevilla know that they've got to go and probably get something, um, get, given they're on 70 points. But it, I just don't think it's in Real's, it's not It's not Zidane's style to really go gung-ho ever. Um, when they win, as Will mentioned, I, I like that bit of Real to win, and, uh, win by just one goal. Um, it's, it's something that I did look at, uh, but I think they were so poor in that game at Stamford Bridge, I, I couldn't believe how... What's the point in getting that far in the Champions League to put in a performance like that? I mean, I know that Chelsea were pretty organised and didn't let them really get get anywhere, but they didn't have a they didn't have a plan B, and like the players just didn't seem asked. Especially even like at, towards the end, usually in a semi final, you'll see all players swarming around the referee for everything kind of complaining that the keepers time wasting and stuff but they weren't they weren't even doing that it looks like they were more than happy to lose that game um maybe they just they've got their eyes on this I'm not too sure but I can't be backing Real at the price um that they are uh, kind of around odds on in some places it's just not for me I'm I did watch that Sevilla game as well against Bilbao. It was awful. It was an awful game to watch. Um, really disappointed by Sevilla in that. I just wonder if they're, maybe they're running out of steam a little bit too. So going forward, I just don't really see where the goals are coming from for either side. And I think they'll both happily kind of play out a, a nil-nil at half time, which is another one of my players, which is the halftime draw. Something that seems to happen in quite a lot of uh, these two ga- uh these two sides games, and you can get odds against about the halftime draw. I just think that the how the obviously we've got to kind of think about what's going to be happening on the Saturday, but whatever does happen, I think it will be quite tight early on before someone has to kind of open up. Kind of a similar scenario to what we had kind of in the midweek with. Um, semi-final second legs just simply having to open up um, so yeah I, I like the half-time draw um, 21 to 20 with a couple of firms uh, but my main bet here is under two and a half um, it's kind of I think it's nine, nine of the last 14 for Sevilla um, I've gone under so it, even though I'm looking at the kind of recent record and I'm thinking 1-0 against Huesca, 2 nil against Barca in the big game, 1-0 against Betis, 2-0 against Elche, 1-0 against Bilbao, 1-0 against Atleti. So it's it's showing kind of in the big games as well that they're, they're being very tight. The reverse ended 1-0 to Real as well. So I think it's in Lopetegui's best interest to keep this quite tight. Um, I thought both teams to score no as well is, a, is quite a nice option. But um, I'm more than happy to take Unders if he's still getting odds against and the half-time draw at a similar price.
0: Yeah, sounds good to me. Right, let's move on. Get to the business part of the show where we get the naps, the next bests, the long shots and everything else in between. We'll start with the latter, go back to Will for his long shot.
1: Yeah, OK. Um, Derby Sheffield Wednesday, Saturday at 1230 Uh huge match in uh in derby on sky sports um and yeah guess who's been given the whistle mike dean <laughs> what a ridiculous yeah, thing to do
0: it's fantastic isn't it yeah yes, it is. the fact that we got one of these two teams is definitely getting relegated and we got mike dean refereeing i mean this has got all the ingredients to be absolutely bonkers
1: yeah for sure so i had to look straight at that um Uh, Yeah, Uh, just in terms of how this might play out, uh, given Rotherham's superior goal difference, a draw for them, sorry, a draw against the Owls for Derby in this game would not be enough uh, for the Rams if the Millers were to win in Cardiff. So if if Rotherham win in Cardiff, they would stay up on goal difference if, if Derby only drew. Uh, If Rotherham failed to win, Derby would stay up as long as they'd obviously avoid defeat themselves against Sheffield Wednesday, because if Sheffield Wednesday (laughs) win, they have a better goal difference than Derby. Uh, If Wednesday win, they'll stay up ahead of Derby on goal difference, so long as Rotherham don't win. So a couple of things going on at the same time. But good um, work is a Rotherham. Yeah, it's quite hard to work these out sometimes, isn't it? is if is a Rotherham win in Cardiff quite likely I mean obviously Cardiff have enough to play for but the rest of the division have nothing to play for and annoyingly on this final day but uh I think that's a stretch for Rotherham there I know we've all been opposing them the last few weeks as well uh but still it, you can't they can't take anything for granted either of these sides so um anyway going back to Mike Dean his his highness has still managed to give out of um eight reds in 22 matches this season in front of no spectators. Uh, lifetime, he's only done 19 games in England's second tier and overall averages less cards in, in the championship, but just 3.9 CPG compared to 4.14. I don't know why I said just 3.9. That's still standout at that at this level. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'd be right up for it, given yeah the magnitude of this tie. Derby have them seventh most cards per game in the league at, at 1.64 per game. And the Owls are actually sixth uh, at 1.73. If you had a quick glance at the table, of the sort of disciplinary table, you wouldn't think that because uh, yellows wise, they're quite, they got relatively few, but they've had seven red cards this season, which is a league high. So something else to consider given Mike Dean's record, a, a red is four to one at bet 365. Um, so that's w- one option for a long shot, but I actually prefer something else. Um, in terms of cards against, both average only around 1.33 per game, but aren't exactly the, the most fluid sides going forward, let's be honest. So, uh, not surprisingly, they don't draw many fouls, but this is obviously a, a must-win scenario. Uh, that should change that. It should be pretty frantic, I'd expect. Um, Skybet have the best cards prices at the moment. Bet365 don't have team cards up. They only got player cards. But Skybet, um, they go 5-4. to four on 50 plus booking points whereas william hill are just five to six uh for the same same type of bet over 45 booking points which is how they call it but so that el- illustrates the values of, of, that sky bet a little bit um mike dean has given 50 plus in nine of his last 20 matches uh so I sh- we shouldn't really be concerned about the lack of fans i don't think and for me the higher lines on the booking points that sky are, uh, worth a go. Um, I'll go for quite a wild, obviously. It sounds quite wild. 70-plus booking points at 4-1 to one at Skybet in in this match for my long shot. Um, there's plenty of dirty players involved here. Um, and, yeah, I mean, just the short... exactly the, the what's at stake should really drive this forward, so long as we're not in a... you know, someone's leading 3-0 and too comfortable. That's the only way I could really see this um, kind of not getting feisty at, at some stage.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, if we don't get cards or keepers coming up for corners or tears at the final whistle or just general chaos, I will be absolutely gutted because I think this game has got all the ingredients for us to have all the scenes that we always want to see, which we're told we don't want to see. Uh, I think <laughs> this one is bang up my street. So cannot wait for that one. Um, Tom, your long shot.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking, oh, what long shot will will go for this week? And I thought you'd go for a red card in that. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait mm-hmm. for that myself. Um, that's kind of, I would just wish it were the last game of the season every week. It's much more entertaining, isn't it? Um, but I'm going to go <laughs> and stick in the EFL. I'm going to dip down to League One. It's actually a game that, that's not really got anything riding on it. But I'm happy to kind of chance a few things here. It's something a bit different. I've not really done anything like this before in a long shot. Um, But it's Peterborough away at Doncaster. And basically, Peterborough got promoted uh, finally. They kind of made it quite hard for themselves going uh, 3-0 down and bringing it back to 3-3. And the point got them up. Um, So they've kind of been on the beers. Which is uh, good. They've been a really good team to watch, to be fair. Very attack-minded. I've mentioned them plenty of times on here, and Hull have won the title, so there's not really anything left for Peterborough. But I just think it's in their nature to th- think, right. It's the last game of the season. Let's just go. Let's just go mental. Um, so I'm expecting loads of goals in this game. Doncaster have nothing to play for. Uh, they've tailed off quite significantly since Darren Moore left. Um, but they've started to score more goals again uh, with the likes of Taylor Richards, a really good player. Uh, Okinawa Heere too. Um, they've got decent players in, in wide positions and going forward and I think they can play their part in a really fun game. Um, and Given Peterborough being such a high-scoring team, they've been conceding plenty as well. Seeded three against Lincoln, as I mentioned. Uh, they had a 3-3 with Rochdale uh, recently too. I'm going to actually, it's called dutching, dutching three different correct scores here. and um, Basically, if you do, you, there's plenty of dutching calculators, but um, it comes out as a 16-1 to 1 shot in the end. So I'm going to take Peterborough to win 3-2. I'm going to take the 3-3 and the 4-3 for Peterborough which are available at 25 to 1, 66 to 1, and 125 to 1, respectively. You can find out who's best price on there on on Checker. I've not written it down here. Um, but I, I just think that it's, it's kind of what what Darren McAnthony, the owner there, and Darren Ferguson, what they're all about is just giving entertainment to the fans. They, they don't want to be watching a game and being bored and they won't be here, there's no point in them sitting back. They'll go for it. Don Castro will play the part. And really, if you land one of these, it's going to be a massive price. So what you can do with your kind of staking system on this, if you go 63% on the 3-2 at 25-1, 24% on the 3-3, and 13% on the 4-3, that kind of gives you the optimum kind of 16 to one. So yeah, it's something a bit different. Uh, I just think that if you look at historic data as well, the last game of the season, you see goals fly up. Um, You you see these results. We're seeing it in the Premier League plenty of times. The last game of the season, kind of four threes, three threes. So I'm willing to chance it. And I think this game's the one that stands out. So I'm, I'm expecting kind of five... Five or six, seven goals here. Um, So, yeah, 3-2, Peterborough, 4-3, Peterborough, and 3-3 at at different prices. Um, Hopefully, we're going to kind of go out with a bang because it's been a while since we landed one of these.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Always like a bit of dutching myself. And um, obviously, the two teams only played each other, I think, last week or the week before, and it ended 2-2. So, promising signs there. Let's move on to the next best. We'll stay with you, Tom, for your next best.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of sticking in the league where I've kind of gone to plenty of times of late in in Ligue 1, in France. And there's a game that I'm surprised that the price has has held. Um, Both teams to score in Strasbourg versus Montpellier is four to five with Sport Nation. And it's around six to 10 in some places, so 1.6, but we're getting 1.8. Um, just makes plenty of, plenty of appeal to me. Basically, what, what's happened with Montpellier this season has been very strange. Their, their manager, um, Michel de Zaccarien, he's been there for four years now, I think, um, and he's always been a manager who's, who's kind of got them doing well defensively. They're kind of built on solid foundations and built from the back, really, and just not done too much going forward. And it's kind of been a recipe for success for him. Um, He's led them to top-half finishes in the last three seasons. And it looks like he'll be doing that again this season. But what's really different is how they approach the games this season. It's just been a complete sea change from what they used to. Um, He's actually stepping down at the end of the season for for some reason. Um, So I I think they're, they're a team that could kind of trend downwards without him because I think he's been really really impressive but this season he's probably just thought let's just have some fun with this especially when when they're kind of way clear of relegation and um, the games have been fantastic to watch and goals have featured so often Um, they're actually averaging their games are averaging 3.26 goals per game which is something you just wouldn't think about in in the French league. It's been a really entertaining league to follow for goals, actually. And uh, you'd think, oh well, if a team's averaging that many goals throughout the season, maybe there's, they're getting a few flukes in there, or they've had a few kind of goal thrillers. But it's not really been the case. If you look into the extra games, averaging three point two one game, so there's pretty much no difference between the underlying data and the kind of actual data that's out there, so yeah, I think that with the threats of Stefan Mavadidi, who's been such a good player to watch as well, just gets at his man, lo- loves to get shots off, um, Flodden Molle, uh, Eli who someone I've mentioned who's come off the bench plenty of times and caused a lot of problems, the young lad, and then up front Gaetan Laborde and Andy Delo, who who's on fire at the minute, with uh, Teji Savanier behind them, kind of providing the creativity. Just so many attacking threats for them all throughout the game. They've, they've got plenty of options off the bench. So I'm expecting them to go to Strasbourg and score at least once here. Um, I think they're quite a big price to win the game, if I'm honest, um, given the goal threat. But the both teams are scarce to score, so stand out because. You kind of dig into the defensive data, and it's quite worrying. Um, they've kind of got a, a 43-year-old defender in Hilton who's still there. Uh, kind of kind of sums them up. They've not really done anything transfer-wise in in the kind of defensive areas. And Congre and uh, Clement Vidal just not not really not really up to the standard for a team that are wanting to kind of push towards the European places. Um and the the people in front the players in front of them don't really they don't track back. They don't really help them out. It just makes the games into basketball games. And Strasbourg are the opponents here who've really kind of toiled of where I think when Mohamed Sima came, uh, he got his move to Leipzig but he was still At the club, and he's kind of been injured for quite a while now. Without him, they look really gettable. Um, The the keeper's not had a good time of it either, and uh, they've seen BTTS in nine of the last 13, uh, and each of the last six games have seen both teams to score two. But they've actually put up some decent attacking numbers: 1.43 expected goals created per game, which is really good. And then when they're in Alsace at home, 1.55. So they've clearly got an attacking threat, which some people don't really... They don't look at Strasbourg and think that they've got uh, the attacking quality there, but it's shown that they do, and they will score against this Montpellier side because of how bad they are defensively. But you look at their defensive data and they're conceding one41 xG per game, which is just not good enough either. So I have both teams to score much shorter than the 1.8. I'd have it 1.66, if not shorter. Uh, I'm surprised that that's held, so I'm all over that. Uh, I think that's on Sunday. Strasbourg versus Montpellier, both teams to score.
0: Nice one. A very conclusive case from Thomas Sale for both teams to score. Um, Will, your next best.
1: Yeah, this weekend we welcome the return of the elite Syrian in, in Norway. So Here we go. Go straight back in, mate. <laughs> um, the, uh, the first side I really fancy this season, I've been trying to do some reading, listen to another really good, um, football podcast for the Nordics as well. Um, and, uh, Enger or that uh, but they're nicknamed Enger. Um, they play Rosenborg on Sunday at 7pm. Um, they've gone from being a hundred to one outrights last season I uh, had them each way and they found they managed to finish third and was gutted because they only played two places uh, in Norway with the 16 team league. So that was a, a real close one for me, um, getting some each way uh, place money there. But they, they've they gone from being 100 to one last season to just 13 to two this season. So everyone's clearly quite aware of the improvements in that team. Um, sort of up front, I won't talk too much because I'm sure no one knows any of these players, but... Um, they've lost a couple decent players uh, to some other clubs in, in, in Iceland and Denmark, Bard Finner and uh, Wilhelmsen. Uh, they've gone gone away, but they, they kind of have signed a player who was really good at Bodo Glimt in the past, Amor Layuni. He's now come to um, Oslo, where Walleringer are based. Uh, they possibly have one of the best players in the league and Aaron Dunham. Um, some other good young players coming through. It's, it's pretty much an embarrassment of riches in the midfield and c- kind of creative um, perspective for that side. Um, possibly the maybe the second best keeper in the league, but also what really was a driver for them is they got Doug Fagamo from Odd um, last season as the, as the coach, um, replaced Ronnie Dyler. And yeah, he's done a hell of a lot better job. Uh, he was at Odd for 12 years before coming here. Um and in terms of Rosenborg, like everyone will probably know them as the main the main club from Norway. They've won. They won 13 titles in a row in the 90s uh, and early 2000s under legendary boss uh, Nils Egan. And they hold 26 in total, which is 18 more than any other club. Uh, 26 titles in the modern era anyway. Um, uh, they're at a pretty low ebb for their sort of current stature. That's two years in a row without finishing in the top three. I think it is now. So that's quite poor from them. Um, they sacked a manager at the beginning of last season and brought in Aga Haraide, um, who's managed both Norway and Denmark. He played for City and Norwich in the 80s so some people might remember him vaguely. Um, he's also previously managed Rosenborg and got them to the title in 2003. Um, but his side that he's got got currently right now here is it's not, it's not a brilliant thing. It seems like it's in a bit of a transition. Um, they focused on signing players from the Swedish league in the last, in the last few years. Uh, their main striker, Dino Islamovich is an exact sort of example of that. Um, and to be honest, the Swedish league is actually just now gone dipped below the Norwegian league in the, in U- UEFA's coefficient. So these are not necessarily sort of up- upgrades anymore. Sort of bringing in Swedish players or Swedish league, auschwitz based players, uh, they lost their captain, Torre, Regen Neusen, he's gone to Saint Pauli. Um, Berger Melling actually, he's gone to Le Crocodile um, last at the beginning of last season. So he's he's their first choice left back for um, the national team as well. So the defense is, is it's it's still solid, but it's not what it was a couple of years ago. Um, and all in all, I, I pretty much think Wollringer will finish above Rosenborg this season. Um, and yeah, they beat the. The Troy Longen um, is the name for, for Rosenborg, which means troll children, which is a great nickname. Um, they beat him at home last December, uh, albeit thanks to a first half red card for Islamovic, um, the, the striker I just mentioned. But uh, Enger went 15 games unbeaten at the Intility Arena last season, something only Bodo Glimpse managed to emulate in their a, in a record season that they just had. So I think it just shows how good these guys are at home. There will be no fans still in in the elite Syrians so far. There's a review of that on the twentieth of May. Um, because obviously the rates have been really low there, but the, the Nordic countries have well Norway have been very um, sort of risk averse with their approach to coronavirus. But yeah, Rosenborg struggled on their travels. They only won five or fifteen last season, and I think Valerenga will probably manage to to, to get another head to head victory over them. Uh, home this weekend and they are just uh, just shy of even money um, on a plus zero Asian handicap with Bet365 so um, we're talking about 1.87 um, so just over five to six uh, and yeah on the plus zero Asian handicap which is basically draw no bet market for Vollranger versus Rosenborg.
0: Lovely stuff always like to hear your input from Norway Will, good stuff. Um, let's get on to the best part of the show. It's the best bets of the weekend, the naps. Back to you, Tom.
2: Yeah, the, there's a game in League Two that I thought was quite bigger. It's actually been chipped in a little bit since we we posted up. Um, but it's Exeter against Barrow in League Two on Saturday. A really interesting battle for seventh, which is the, the last kind of playoff spot. In League Two this weekend, there's a couple of sides in it. Forest Green are currently occupying that place, but they've got to go away to Oldham, who have been scoring plenty of goals of late. So you can't really hold out too much hope for Forest Green getting a win there. Um, So they're on 70 points, basically. Exeter, who are the team that we're going to be looking at here, are on 69 points with a much significant uh, goal difference. And Salford are on 68 points, just below them. So, uh, yeah, there's a a lot kind of at stake here for all of these teams, and they're all against teams that have nothing really to play for. But I really do fancy Exeter to get the better of Barrow because basically with Barrow, they they stayed up. Um, They beat Forest Green away, which meant that they secured survival um, about a fortnight ago. And then their game after the one that Will mentioned, I think last week against Southend, they they lost that 2-1, and that Southenders are actually relegating now. So I kind of showed you how much they're they're asked about it now. Will mentioned kind of the the quotes from the chairman and and the manager kind of saying that's our job done, right? We'll focus on next season. They, they couldn't give a toss now, um, and I don't blame them because it's a, it's a magnificent achievement for that club to stay up in League Two. And I just think it's a massive trip, that Cumbria down to Devon. It's probably the, the biggest trip uh, by Carlisle for someone going down to Exeter, which is not going to help, obviously. And Exeter, basically, at home, they're posting pretty much the best data in the league. Um. They have done for pretty much all season. They've been very kind of consistent in that regard too. And Barrow are uh, quite a poor side away from home. I've mentioned this before when, when we've got against them the, the third worst away record. Um, well, joint second worst actually with Grimsby. Just 20 points from 22 games. That includes 14 losses in that time. And Exeter are a side that, they, they could draw here and still get into the playoffs, but then you're relying on everyone else to do their business, which I, I just don't really think is is how they're going to set up. They're going to go out to win this game. Barrow have nothing to play for, as I mentioned. So, Exeter to win, it's been chipped in a bit. It's 8-11 to 11 now, which is a bit too short, I think, to post up. But um, Exeter to win an under four and a half goals is 10-11. to 11. Uh, with bet 365 on the bet builder, which I think is a, a, a nice way in because if Exeter are winning, um, they don't need to increase the goal difference at all. They just need to win the game and then hope everything else falls in their favour. And I've really l- liked what I've heard from them um, over the last kind of week or so. The manager, Matt Taylor, has kind of been very, try to just relax the players. Um, he, he's He's kind of had a few kind of bets with them. He said that um, if if they score from a set piece against Bolton, it'll hand every member of the squad £20. And they went and did it. Um, so, yeah, they, they seem to be a quite a quite a joyful bunch. And um, they're kind of hitting form again. Great win at Bolton. That um, says a lot about them. And I think that if they do creep in, um, I think they're a team to really kind of be feared because... They've got all their main players back, Bowman and Jay up front, and then midfield with um, with Collins. Uh, Randall Williams is back as well, and Robbie Wilmot too. So they're, they're pretty much back to full, full strength, something that they've not been able to do for quite a while. And um, yeah, I expect them to score a couple here, and, and Barrow um, just not really be that interested, to be honest. So I'm expecting Exeter to go off, much shorter 4 to 6 if not shorter than that um so yeah I'll boost it to 10 to 11 by chucking in under 5 goals that'll be my nap
0: good stuff great insight if you're a viewer of uh, Wheeler betting the website more good league 2 stuff and content to come your way tom will be covering the playoffs for us which starts i think the week after next um plenty of good stuff on the way uh but over to Will for your favorite fantasy of the weekend
1: yeah, I've, I've got my eyes on another relegation scrap. Benevento Cagliari, um, four matches to go in Serie A. We have a huge match in Campania at the uh, the City of Witches on Sunday. Um, Benevento's home ground, Stadio Ciro Vigorito, where they, they host uh, Cagliari, who've had an immense turnaround, Cagliari, in the last uh, four games. They've picked up 10 points. But they're notoriously bad travellers. But yeah, in those recent fixtures, I think they were lucky to face Roma pre Europa League semi-final. Um, they got a three-two win out of that match, um, putting a very decent shift in Naples at the weekend. To be fair, uh, looking at the, sort of the stats on that game, but um, and the other two victories they've had recently were against Udinese and Parma, who is probably less surprising. They managed to get the better of those sides. In terms of quality of opposition, I don't think Parma were relegated at the point that they played them, but they're quite far, they were quite far behind and are now gone, unfortunately. Um, and there was nothing to play for in Udine as well. So they've, I mean, there's reasons for this upturn in form. It's still obviously been a very decent show. Uh, one thing to, to note in those games is they picked up three or more cards in, uh, in three of those four games. Um, and since they have a one point cushion over Benevento, It means a draw is probably a pretty good thing for them um and it could see them i mean i think we've got a similar kind of scenario here where it could see them time wasting nicking fouls a bit like atleti are probably expected to do in barcelona um the the only issue i have is if they drew if they did draw this and end up finishing level on points with beneventu um the latter would stay up as they won the previous head-to-head in sardinia 2-1 in january so that's something to consider but Overall, I think cards are kind of guaranteed in, with what's at stake as well here. Um, Benevento pick up 2.62 cards per game, the third most in Syria, whilst Cagliari are down at 15th uh, in, on that respect, only 2.15 cards per game themselves. And then in terms of picking up cards against them, Benevento get carded against a fair bit more than Cagliari, uh, 2.35 per game cards drawn against Benevento. Quite a decent attack inside earlier on in the season. I think everyone kind of loved watching them. Um, they've kind of gone off the boil a little bit. But uh, whereas Callieri's opposition take just 2.17, which was some 14th on that metric. But yeah, I mentioned Pipo and Zaggy's side are a bit of a joy to watch going forward. It would be gutting to see that style sort of fail to keep them up, really. they have looked a pretty good thing a few games ago, bar this Calorie turnaround. Uh, the referee is Daveri, who Lifetime-wise, he's about mid-table for from 26th of the 42 active Syria refs in in my database. Um, this season, he's dropped down a bit to 4.4 cards per game, but I'm I'm banking on this cut this kind of scrap coming good. Um, and the value seems to be in calorie cards on Bet365 at least. I feel like their prices are a little bit generous on this on this on some of these games sometimes and. Calorie over two cards is eleven to eight at Bet three six five, um, and I'm going to chance that. I just feel like I said they've had th- they, that's happened in three of the last four when the, when it's really become desperation um, sort of yeah situations for them. So let's see if they can manage two or more uh, sorry three or more cards again at eleven to eight with Bet three six five.
0: Yeah, I like the sound of that. Should be a really good game, really tense game, pretty. Good. Plenty of uh, fouls and cynicism. That's what we look for. Um, But uh, cool. I think we've covered everything. All that's left to ask you guys is if there's anything left, anything you haven't been able to mention, which you want to mention. Now is the time. Who wants to go first?
1: I'll go. Uh, I'll go back to Norway very quickly. Um, I've got loads of notes on this game, but I'm going to have to skip past some of them for sure. Uh, This is Odd um, hosting Sanderfjord. And... The, the, the thinking behind this basically is Espen Rude is their usual first choice right back who also takes penalties he's got an Achilles injury until the summer um, and he, the other secondary penalty penalty taker last season was Torge Borven who was a, a real goal scorer at this level and he's gone to Ankara Gucu in Turkey um, which basically means uh, this uh, Tobias Lauritsen He's, he's a player that's played for odds throughout his youth, and he's, he's about 23 now. I think he's going to get more and more game time. He didn't last season get so much because of injury. Um, halfway through when he had he had a nice little run of six starts in a row, but uh, then hit that injury. So I think he'll take pens. Um, this is actually it's worth noting. This is a derby um, in, the, in the Vestfold-Telemark region of, of, of Norway. Um, and, yeah, the referee is Tom Harald Hagen, who gave 10 pens in 21 matches last season in, in Elite Syrian. Um, so I think Lauritsen could have a good chance of taking one. I'll just kind of quickly mention as well a stat or some stats on the on penalties in Norway. Um, there's been a lot going on with this in terms of nor- Norway n- n- local news. Um, there were 109 penalties in last season's Elite Syrian compared to the previous record before was just 62 um the year before that yeah um there's been obviously you know they, they they really follow the premier league so closely in norway so you know rules and changes that often match kind of what's going on there obviously that's dictated by ifab and other and other bodies as well but you know where the, the premier league refs were told to talk, sort of stop um in, interpreting handball so ridiculously as they did at the beginning of this season um but norwegian football is really high tempo um, and i've read some sort of ex- referees pre- sort of theories on why this has been happening so much as well he thinks the the fixture congestion may have had lead to more holding of players in in opposition boxes it's just been a bit stretched watching matches in norway um there are multiple reasons not just handball rules basically but that that increase at least it, it, it tailed off a little bit um towards the last end of last season but even in the last 10 game rounds, we were still looking at 37 percent of games had a penalty in previous years the rate was just 24 percent um like i said sort of an increase the previous record was just 62 and they hit 109 so uh this ref is one that likes them um and has increased since in the in the last last season as well compared to his previous averages so Tobias Lauritsen is 21 to 10 to score any time against Sandefjord, who are a, a club I expect could get relegated this season. Um, could be a bit whipping boys and odd. Usually, are a decent side at home and in sort of upper upper mid table. So they're 21 10. It, sorry, Lauritsen's 21 10 to, to score anytime time at bet 365. So I'll, I'll, I'll go at that. And very quickly as well, um, Arsenal West Brom. Uh, I obviously don't know what's going to happen in Arsenal's tie with Villarreal tonight. But the referee is Peter Banks, who lifetime wise has the second highest cards per game, only beaten by Mike Dean um, in terms of in the Premier League. Uh, interestingly, Mike Dean carded the player I'm about to talk about now last weekend versus Newcastle um, when he was up against Alan St-Maximin. And, and yeah, so I feel like the stars were aligned there. And Granite Xhaka is playing left back at the minute. Um, West Brom have to win in order to continue any hopes of a bit of a mad great escape a draw won't technically relegate them but it pretty much does on goal difference Um, whereas yeah, Arsenal obviously could have this Europa League hangover of sorts whether it's a good or a bad one I don't know but Xhaka will be up against Matius Pereira and the right side of centre mid is Conor Gallagher and these are the Baggies' two most fouled players this season and also the 23rd and 10th most fouled players in the league surprisingly um, which, yeah, kind of surprised me that, that those two would be up that high. But Granite Jacker is 16-5 to five to be carded um, at William Hill and Skybet as well. So I really think that's worth, worth looking at in terms of just how much West Brom have riding on this game. Uh, so that, that's it for me. Good stuff. Tom?
2: Yeah, I'll well, just start by saying if there's one reason to tune into this podcast. It's for Will's Norwegian penalty information. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Um, Tremendous. (laughs) I mean, you're not going to hear that anywhere else, are you? Genius. Um, I'm going to go to the Bundesliga. One bet, you probably think I'm mad for saying this at this price when you're looking at the table, but FC Kern to beat um, Freiburg on Sunday... Um, it's 21-20 to 20 with a few firms, but I'm just going to take a touch shorter We Bet365 for the early payout, um, even money. Basically, if you're looking at the bottom of the Bundesliga now, it's really entertaining. You've got a few teams right in the mire. So you've got Kern, who are 17th at the minute now, 29 points. Bielefeld are on 30 points. Bremen are on 30 points. And Hertha are on 30 points. Big win for them against Freiburg tonight, just before we went live on here. So you've got Augsburg as well on 33 points. And uh, I don't think Mainz or Hoffenheim are truly out of it either yet. They're on their 30, 35 and 36 points. So there's a, a lot at stake here, um, whereas Freiburg are pretty, pretty much as middle, middle of the road as you can get. They've got enough. They're not going to get into any European places. Um, they're, they're ninth in the table on forty-one points. So they were really disappointing today. Um, I watched the game against Herta, and they, they didn't show anything going forward. And defensively, they, they walked all over the place. If I'm honest, which is something you don't really think about with a, a side under Christian Stalik, who is usually really. Demanding of his players. Um, but I think that if you look at their schedule, so they play tonight because Hertha have had COVID issues, so they're having to cram in all the games. So Thursday and then they're playing on Sunday against Kern. So they've had to travel all the way to Hertha. I'm looking at my Germany map at the minute. That's some distance, that. Freiburg to Hertha in um, pretty much the, almost the distance of the country. And then they're having <laughs> to go up to, up to Kern. On, on the Sunday, pretty much no, no turnaround. They've not got a massive squad either. And Kern have actually won the last two games against Leipzig and uh, Augsburg, which was a 3-2 win on that Friday night last, last week, or the week before, I should say, which was a, a really fast start from them. They went 3-0 up at, before half-time, I think. Um, so they're, they're showing themselves to be a goal threat now, with the likes of Andre Duda, who will be playing for Slovakia, no doubt, at the Euros, is showing really good form, Uh, Marius Wolf, and Emmanuel Dennis, they've got there, Anderson is back now as well, and so is Jonas Hector, who's kind of their main player, the captain, in midfield, so they're back to full strength, and I think that everything's on it for Kern nothing's on it for Freiburg. Kern have had a massive break, especially last week with no, no DFB Pokal out action. They've had two weeks off to prepare for this. Freiburg have had uh, a matter of days and they've got nothing to play for. So it might look a bit short at evens, but I think Kern are going to beat Freiburg this weekend.
0: Yeah, good case, well made. Also nice to hear you morphing into the wonderful Derek Ray there at times, Tom, with oh. your pronunciation. Hi, Chris all <laughs> right super stuff guys really enjoyed today's show loads of really well researched and superb plays really loved your insight on some of those leagues particularly in norway and the bundesliga and the gun and everything else we cover on a week-to-week basis back to business i presume as normal next weekend probably with the premier league and whatever else we can find from europe but uh, we're going to wrap it up there a big thanks as always to you guys the stars of the show tom love cheers guys all the best and we'll die Thanks, guys. Enjoy the elite Syrian kickoff. (laughs) This has been the We Love Betting weekend preview podcast. Chat soon.